a blessing for us this morning as we again look at superior privileges and superior callings for God's people. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, last week we spoke about the special and superior privilege that we have every time that we come to worship, every time that we come. And that's through the blood of Christ into the presence of God in heaven and and how that is supposed to be a motivator for us unto holy living. To be thinking about this privilege that we have of coming into heavenly places in worship. To think about why, why we should look at that as such a special thing for us to be able to do. Unlike anything else that we could ever do here on earth. And take that into the world in which we're called to live. And to live a holy life in light of the gospel that allows us into the presence of God. Well, this morning, uh, as we consider more special privileges, and we consider that all of this is supposed to be encouraging us to run the race of faith marked out for us, we've come to the close of Hebrews chapter 12. And as we do that, we've looked at a superior calling, which was the pursuit of holiness, and we've looked at the superior calling, and that is to, to, to appreciate the, the special experience or the special moment we have to come into the presence of God and worship. Now we see a couple of other things that are special. A special calling and a special privilege again. And it's, uh, it's not a duplication of what we've just read, but it's it kind of works in a very structured way that way. There's this calling, there's this privilege. There's this calling, there's this privilege. So we'll take a look at those last two superior privileges and callings that we find in this passage. We look, first of all, at the heavenly voice. Because our passage says, See that you don't refuse him who is speaking. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. So we look, we're focused here at the, at the heavenly voice that we're to heed, and then this unshakable kingdom afterwards to which we belong. It, should, it shouldn't be considered out of bounds or coincidental that right after the, the writer of Hebrews is speaking to us about this special privilege that we have to be able to worship God, that on the heels of that, we're also hearing now about this superior word that's coming. It's not out of bounds, it's not coincidental that these things are happening and that as we're motivated to live uh, heavenly, uh, holy living, and we're to carry that out, and that we, that we should be hearing the heavenly voice as we're coming to worship. Now, you might think, as you're hearing that, uh, because it's talking about a heavenly voice, if you carry on and read in this passage, you've got your Bibles open, open, it says, For if they didn't escape when they refused to warn them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. See, that's, that's the superiority there. And so it begs the question, right? It begs the question, you might say, now when do I hear that voice? I'll be glad to hear it. I'll, I'll be glad not to refuse it. I'll be glad to pay attention to it. I'll heed the warning. But what's this heavenly voice? When do I hear it? 
is it a, a special revelation still coming to God's people in this day that we, should, we shouldn't be refusing those kind of utterings and, and don't discount them? When have I heard that heavenly voice? When do I hear the heavenly voice? We have just been encouraged, again, to remember that we have the privilege of worshiping in the presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. So I want to know when we hear the heavenly voice. Well, we hear the heavenly voice every time we come to worship. We hear this heavenly voice every time the word of God is read and ministered. It's not the voice, the heavenly voice of some charismatic figure who has a pipeline to God. It's when the word of God is read and it's ministered. And I'm not pulling that out of thin air. This is the voice of the written word that's served to us. In Hebrews chapter 13, you'll recall that that's that passage where it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And, and you, you hear that there's this call to praise and there's this call to practice. Right? Where it says that uh, in, in verses... Uh, Verses 15 and 16, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And don't neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So, you know, you hear about that call to praise in, in the time that you get together in worship and then when you leave. But we read on either side of that calling... To remember. To remember those who ruled over us. And it says in the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 13 that we are to remember our leaders who spoke to you the word of God. And to obey your leaders and submit to them because they're keeping watch over your souls as, as those who will have to give an account. <coughs> We're to remember those who spoke the word of God to us. These are the ones we're called to hear as they speak the word of God to us, which is, which is such a reformational theme, isn't it? Right? Because that's what we celebrate in the Reformation, in part. Right? We, we remember all those onlys that we're to remember, right? The, that uh, we're governed, among other those, among others. We're to be governed and we're to be, be in belief of the scriptures alone for life, for salvation. We're saved and governed by God's word alone. And, and, and so we don't need to be looking for something exotic. We don't need to go home and listen to the still small voice or, or hear God walking with you and talking with you in the garden alone. When you're looking for a church where you can worship God in heavenly places. Now, you know, people, again, I've said this before, right? They'll, they'll give you all kinds of reasons about why they're going to go somewhere. 
And you know what they are, right? It might be the music, it might be the relatives, it might be convenience because it's down the street. <coughs> but that is why you want to choose a church. You want to go somewhere where the Word of God is spoken and preached. You don't want to refuse Him who is speaking. You're called to hear the heavenly voice of the living Lord Jesus as His Word is served to you. That's superior. That's priority. And that's wonderful. And such a passage goes to show again that worship with the word is worship. I mean, official worship. If the word isn't there, if Christ's word is not opened, when you go to church, then it's less than what it's been called to be, that worship. The calling of hearing the word goes, you see, with the privilege of worship. The ministry of the word is something that requires our attention. What makes this word worth our attention is because of its heavenly source. The voice from heaven is a voice that's superior to the voice heard from earth, our passage says. It's not that the voice from earth at Sinai wasn't God's word. Far from it. It was a word that was supposed to be heard. It was even feared when it was a word as it was as a word, as God's word, as it was mediated by an angel, came by way of Moses, and thundered from God himself. But but this is a voice from heaven now. And why from heaven? Because because that's where Jesus Christ is reigning. He's sitting at God's right hand. And, and that's where you are, you see. You're not at 608 Rice Avenue in biblical terms. You're in heaven. You're getting a foretaste of the glories that await. And what's especially remarkable here is that while festive joy at the heavenly Mount Zion contrasts the fear and terror of Sinai, thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ, there's nevertheless this sober warning about the voice that comes from heaven. Because if they didn't escape when they refused to warn them on, on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. See, just because the glorious gates of righteousness have been thrown open unto us, whereby we can now enter into this heavenly Mount Zion with praise to God in Christ, that doesn't take away the reverence and the awe. You know, as if we, we can be flippant towards God, we can, we can be frivolous towards God, treat Him lightly, either with our worship or with our everyday existence. Because we're in the presence of the Almighty God. And how do we know that? Well, we can just read this. If the people back then faced terror and fear and wouldn't escape judgment from the voice that shook from the earth, 
why should we expect anything less? Now that we hear the voice of God through his Christ from heaven, that we could, how could we take his word lightly, you say? A person called to minister God's word then can't take his calling lightly either. And I, I hope I don't. I hope I don't. I pray I don't. I've got to watch what I say. Make sure it's true, clear, relevant. Because you're representing Christ in the pulpit. And then we as congregants, we can't, we can't take that word lightly either when it's spoken from the pulpit or, or minimize its importance in our lives. And, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that again. I, I've seen it happen over the years. I see it happen all the time. I've seen people sleep through a sermon. Maybe it wasn't the best sermon. I don't know. But it's a chance to catch up on some sleep. I've seen people not looking. I've seen people that have been goofing off over the years. And of course I know that there's a lot of time when preaching takes place people don't care what you say anyway. It's just, it's just not the way. That that, and that's just, that's, I'm not taking that personally. I'm just saying that that's, that doesn't just happen to me. That happens to a lot of people who are proclaiming God's word that way. They, they, they take it lightly. They, they don't think it's that big a deal. They don't think it's very valuable. They, there's other things that they can enjoy a whole lot more than that. You know, and especially in our day and age, right, where we can all, uh, there's a temptation even today, you know, to be, you're talking to people and you're conversing with people, and I catch myself doing it once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Be- because, because we're used to these gadgets, And we can be entertained to death. And, and, and somebody want to ask, you know, if you were to ask somebody, you say, well, you know, preaching, what do you think about preaching, right? I'd rather, you know, I'd, I'd rather watch my favorite binge show. That means more to me. If I had my choice, if, 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 if somebody put a gun to my head, and they said, what would you rather do right now? I, you know, I'd rather go and do X, Y, and Z. But I don't, but hearing a sermon may not always be on the top of the list. But we must not take it lightly. Right? Don't refuse him who is speaking. A warning. As we we hear this calling to meet together, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Because, because this is an even more superior word than at Mount Sinai. The gospel was, is being proclaimed to us as its covenant people today. And it's, it's more superior because it's being proclaimed in clearer tones. Tones that not only call us to rejoice in our salvation, but they also call us to please God with the sacrifices of doing good in light of His grace to us in Christ, God's grace to us. 
And we're reminded, after all, as we've seen already, the negative example of Esau, because without holiness, nobody's going to see the Lord. But when we're in heavenly places in worship, which is what we are, and it is, it's, it is countlessly forgotten by people. Countlessly. But we're in heavenly places in worship, and we're hearing the heavenly word from heaven. And it's a warning that comes to us in, in similar tones in Hebrews chapter 2. Okay, What you're hearing at the end of Hebrews is what you hear at the beginning of Hebrews. And a lot of Bible books, if you're reading Bible books and you're trying to understand how a Bible book works, oftentimes you can find that what's being talked about at the beginning is talked about at the end. And this is true here too. We're near the end of Hebrews. But at the beginning of Hebrews, we hear very similar words. Okay, in chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we therefore, another therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message delivered, declared by angels, proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, and that's a throwback to Sinai. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. And while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And we hear that same kind of talk today uh, in this passage. Much, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. So the idea being that if those people back in Moses' days didn't hear the word of God and they, and, and they came to no punishment, how much more will we escape if we ignore such a great salvation as those who have heard the Lord Jesus and his apostolic witnesses since Jesus is superior to all of what has come before. He's superior to the angels. He's superior to Moses. He's superior to Levi. He's in the order of Melchizedek. One person put it this way, he said that while the people of Moses' day had reason to fear, when they heard the word of the Lord, we've got extra reason to respect and fear the Lord, to pay attention, because we've heard a fulfilled gospel, we've heard a clearer gospel, we've heard an accomplished gospel, where Christ sits enthroned on the true throne of God's kingdom in heaven as the King of kings and Lord of Lords. And so if you think, if you thought to yourself that Mount Sinai, if you would have been back there and you thought, man, this is an awesome place. Powerful. Terrifyingly so. And if you think God was awesome then and worthy of reverence then, when he spoke back then, But what about when he speaks from heaven? That takes it up a notch. You know, we always like to think, you know, back in the Bible times, that's when everything was spectacular. And we love to try to try to make things like that today. But the voice that spoke on earth, while it had its weightiness, is nothing like the one that speaks from heaven in comparison. Because that voice on, that spoke on earth had its weightiness. I mean, it was God's word, to be sure. And it caused the 
the earth to shake around the, the mountain. But, says our writer, if you think that was something, if you think that was terrifying, then you better respect the heavenly voice even more. And why? Because, because and this hits the, the second point that we have here, there's a time coming when that voice, that same voice that now speaks from heaven, is going to shake the heavens and the earth in judgment. And that's why you, you need to pay attention to that word. Because it's not just going to shake the earth, the, the mountain, it's going to shake creation. It'll shake more than the divine voice shook at Sinai. Hebrews speaks about that earlier on already in chapter 1. See, and that's where it goes back to that again. If you're reading a Bible book, look at the beginning, look at the end. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 12, when it attributes divinity to God the Son. Right? We saw that um, last week, I think it was, at night. And he quotes from Psalm 102, where the temporary nature of this age is underscored in contrast to the changelessness of the Son. And it says that the heavens and the earth will be rolled up like a garment, but that he'll remain the same. The heaven and the earth will undergo a change. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth that'll make this old world obsolete. That world will pass away as Christ comes a second time. Just like what the people of Hebrews were already facing as a foretaste now, where the old covenant ways of bulls and goats and shadows were passing away because of Christ's first coming. And because of Christ's accomplishment as the better priest of God, so you didn't need this old covenant anymore. So that obsolescence, that changing, that passing, says the writer that happened in the Old Covenant, that's going to happen to creation. When the voice of the Lord, that heavenly voice that you need to pay attention to when you're coming into worship, speaks once more. Hebrews says that the created things, the things that have been made will be shaken, but he who does the shaking is the one who is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, on whom you can depend, whose word is worthy then of our attention. They will remain with him, those who belong to him, those who pay attention, those who respect his word, because they'll be part of an unshakable kingdom. See, that's what our passage says. See, and that's another superior privilege when you belong to an unshakable kingdom. That would be a grand reason, you see, not to put one's trust in an old kingdom of Israel or to fear Rome or to fear them more than God or Russia or the United States more than God. Because all those kingdoms are going to be rolled up in a garment someday. Those kingdoms are not going to last. They have their season, but they will pass. But there's one kingdom that when we belong to that kingdom that will remain 
unshakable. And when we know that we belong to that kingdom, you see, then we have reason to be thankful in worship. The thief on the cross wanted to be remembered when Christ would come in triumph into his kingdom. And we need to long to be part of that kingdom. And we, we, and when we know we do, as those who rest in Christ, then we'll be thankful. We'll be a thankful people. We'll be a thankful, worshiping people. Because we belong to this kingdom that will endure when everything else is gone. And that's the only kingdom that will stand at the judgment as the heavenly voice speaks of judgment and renewal. It's, it's those made new in Christ who are part of that new creation. And so belonging to that kingdom is a superior privilege, isn't it? It's to dictate the spirit of our worship. Reverence, awe, gratitude for this God who's ours by his gracious covenant ways, but a God who's altogether holy, purifying his creation of all sin and all that is unholy by his fiery word because he's consuming fire. The conclusion then, the therefore then, see, the so what then, what do we say about all this then? Is let's not be frivolous with God. Let's not make a joke of God. Let's not be irreverent with God. Let's not. Let's, let's revere Him. When we come into worship, let's worship Him. Right? That's the end. And let's do that with, a, with awe and with a grateful heart because of the privilege that we have of belonging to such a superior kingdom. And we're hearing a superior voice from heaven. As we're worshiping in such a superior place. As heaven is. Thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ. Who calls us to run down the superior path of holiness every single day. We have superior calling. We have superior privileges. That's because of the greatness and goodness of the God who's a consuming fire, the God who's judge of all and, and who saves us. Through Jesus, whose blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Even his blood is superior. And that's why, after all, we, we can know all these superior callings, these superior privileges. It is a blessing to live for Christ. It is a blessing to worship our God. What privileges, what callings, what a God that we're called to trust and follow and worship in the Lord Jesus Christ. And thankfully, by God's providence, that's what the Reformation reclaimed. Amen. Let's take a moment.